You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Monday the 29th of May, glorious sunny morning here in TW11, bank holiday here in England today, it's Memorial Day in the US as well. No rest for those of you in Ireland, however, where the bulk of the important international action took place over the weekend. 1,000 guineas success at the Curra for Dermot Weldon, Chris Hayes with His Highness the Aga Khan's Tahira, the first victory in that Irish classic for the Aga Khan. The previous day, a horse by the same sire, Sayuni Paddington, had struck to give Aidan O'Brien yet another victory in the Irish 2,000 guineas, a horse of serious promise. Let's hope he clashes with the winner of the English equivalent, Chaldean, in the St. James's Palace Stakes at Royal Ascot. It was a pretty sparkling weekend for Bally Doyle. Not only did their sprinting star Little Big Bear shine at Haydock Park under Frankie de Tory, good to see him back off the ropes after that guineas disappointment, but... Under a nice ride, Luxembourg won the Tattersall's Gold Cup under Ryan Moore, defeating Bay Bridge. Much was talked about the relative merits of those two horses and the two rides they were given. We'll discuss that a little bit later in the programme as well. News has just come through, as I'm recording, that Sylvester D'Souza, the rider you'll remember who received a 10-month ban from the Hong Kong Jockey Club stewards, has decided not to appeal that ban. His deposit has been returned... But he was supposed to have a Zoom hearing this morning or a remote hearing this morning. He has decided not to appeal that 10-month ban, which is applicable worldwide. So a long period in the wilderness for the former multiple champion jockey in the UK, Sylvester D'Souza. Returning to Ireland, there is an appeal going on today, and that is the appeal uh, for Ronan McNally, the trainer who received an unprecedented 12-year ban for integrity breaches. That begins at the IHRB's headquarters at the Curra today. So, no rest in Ireland today, which is good news because that's where I check in with Jane Mangan. Jane, always hard at work. Well, there's never a day that Nick Luck doesn't call anyway, regardless. So, uh, no, it's <laughs> it's uh, a day's work. It was a good day's work over the weekend. Yeah, well, you were at the Curra to watch Tahira win the 1,000 guineas and Paddington win the 2000 Indies and Luxembourg win the Tassels Gold Cup. So where to start to hear her then? Muddling sort of race, uh, right result, I guess, for the purist. What did you make of it? I thought it was sedately run and there was no obvious pace in the race. From box one, the concern for Chris Hayes was always whether he would get boxed in. He fortunately got forward enough. I remember her slow break at Newmarket. There was no such slow break yesterday. She got forward enough to just get straight behind Meditate. And the one, two, three from Stalls were one, two, three on the rail, and they ultimately ended up finishing one, two, three um, uh, in the race. So Tahira eventually got a gap between Dower House and um, Meditate. She quickened up off a sedately run race. I'd imagine if the race was run like a true test, like Newmarket was on, on, on better ground, like we had at the Curra, I'd imagine the winner would have won by further. She still hasn't actually come. Uh, in her coat. I remember you guys commenting on that in, in Newmarket. She hasn't yet flourished, blossomed like a flower. I'd imagine if she does go to Ascot, I'd love to see her in the coronation. I think this will only get better. She hasn't actually grown an awful lot. Meditate would dwarf her in the ring. And her stablemate, who actually finished fourth, Tarawa, 
uh, would dwarf them all. But um, Tahira has a massive turn of foot and she was only just able to execute it yesterday to get the job done. I'd imagine a more impressive performance would come off a stronger pace. Okay, where to go next then? Well, perhaps given that you've you've given the race a mention, we should we should move on to the Tattersalls Gold Cup, which was won by Ryan Moore for Aidan O'Brien uh, aboard Luxembourg, last year's Irish Champion Stakes winner. Moore set out with great intent, made just about every yard of the running, got his fractions right, horse settled nicely for him in front, and Bay Bridge finished in second place, having raced rather keenly. I must confess, Jane, I'm a, a, as big a fan of Ryan Moore as just about everybody else is. And clearly he he's riding just as well now as he ever has and gave this horse a very good ride. However, the the Moore is so great, swap the jockeys and you would have had a different result narrative. I, I found a, a little bit tedious, in, in all honesty, because there's no way that you could have sent Bay Bridge any closer to the pace because he was pulling so hard, as he had done in the pre-Ganet. Uh, in France, and it's clearly taking him a bit of time to to learn how to race this season. Yeah, and he's a huge horse, and he takes a a little bit of mastering Baybridge. He's in contrast to Luxembourg, he carries an awful lot more condition. Luxembourg is just as big, equally as long, if not from ear to tail, a longer scope of your horse. But he doesn't carry nearly as much condition. And in the run, he was very straightforward, straight from stall two forward. There wasn't any obvious pace in here, and I was thinking pre race that. Denny was the quickest horse in the race. And imagine Team Ballydoyle were probably thinking that they didn't want to get out sprinted by a horse who could win the Eclipse. So they went forward with Luxembourg. And as good as Ryan Moore is, and I'm his biggest fan, and I do truly believe he's the best jockey in the world, he didn't have to be awesome. All he had a willing partner. He was riding a champion stakes winner. He went forward, went a solid pace, and made sure it didn't turn into a game of speed. Baybridge had an opportunity to get by personally just on the day. He wasn't good enough, in my opinion. I'd imagine on slower ground, he might be even better. I thought he handled it perfectly fine yesterday. And the two of them pulled six lengths clear of Pisbadil. It was a very good race. It wasn't the race. It promised to be because the French horse uh, never looked likely. From the top of the hill, you could see Christophe Soumian's body language was encouraging his horse to go forward. When at that stage, Videni really should be just tanking onto the bridle because that's the way he travelled through his races last year. He was reported by the stewards post-race to have been coughing and that there was uh, blood spotted on his left nostril, which would suggest that he perhaps burst blood vessel. All right, Luxembourg, victorious for Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore, and he will be an important older horse for Ballydoyle for the rest of the season. An important member of the classic generation will be Paddington, who further enhanced his reputation by winning the Irish 2000 guineas. He didn't break brilliantly, but once he got him into position, he was then perfectly positioned to strike in a race where not that much went right for quite a lot of those in behind. But he's a very, very promising colt. As you say, Jane, another one by Siuni. Yes, and he went the Autad route, having won a handicap before winning the Irish Guineas. Again, like the Phillies race, this was very sedately run. It was a little bit messy, but you'd have to say High Royal, who was on the pace under Oshin Murphy, was in pole position to, to pounce when he when he started building the pace down the home straight. He was from stall two. He eventually finished his third. I thought Cairo was one of the horses who was a little bit inconvenienced in the run. He flashes home to finish second. Charion ran well, Galleron. Uh, but you mentioned a couple of horses in behind. We must mention Royal Scotsman. He looked to have settled way better than he did at Newmarket. He looked well in the ring. He didn't look light or look, look like a horse that was um going to it was going to come too soon for him. But, but for whatever reason, he just didn't turn up on the day. And I'm sure he'll be much better um when we see him next. But in contrast, Paddington was always on the pace. Uh, he quickened well and look, he he did it in 
Uh, he didn't blow us any of us away, but he's a very good looking horse. He's a big horse. And I'd imagine he's a horse probably only coming into himself now. So um, look, on ratings, he had plenty to find. He snared High Royal. It wasn't uh, this blow away five length success, but uh, I, I would say he's quite a good winner on the day. Yeah, quite interesting. I thought that Aidan O'Brien did what he quite often does when he thinks he's got a good one, bring them to to the UK for their first start, maybe just to teach them something, give them some experience of travelling, get Ryan Moore to have a sit on them, whatever. He brought Paddington to Ascot, was well beaten on his first start, but showed a bit of promise, and then he hasn't looked back since then. That initial education could yet stand him in good stead as he as he comes to Royal Ascot for the St James's Palace. Yeah, there's always methods to the madness, isn't there? And he was—he finished fifth. It was a lackluster run, but obviously it was just there. There was always a, a train of thought behind it. And when he started off this season in the Madrid handicap at at Nace on heavy ground, I was thinking, you know what? This obviously isn't the horse that I thought he was. He wins that, then he goes to the to the Cura on on soft ground, wins a listed race, and beats Drumroll, who uh, got promoted yesterday. So the the form is stacking up to a certain extent. Obviously, this. Guineas has to prove itself to be up there with uh, the likes of Caldean in the UK, but only time will tell if that works out. All right. Well, the, the man who trains Caldean, of course, has also got a classic hopeful at the weekend in the Foxes, and he's Andrew Balding, who's, who's with me now. Uh, probably what is a rather glorious King's Clear morning. Uh, Andrew, you watched the Irish 2000 Guineas, I'm sure, with great interest yesterday. What were your observations? Uh, well, I thought the winner was impressive. Uh, it's a shame Paul Scotsman obviously didn't run his run his race, but I thought the winner looked like a, like a lovely horse, and uh, obviously he's going to be a, a player at that top level in the mile division. Uh, how do you sort of see what your your advantages might be over him in the, in the St James's Palace? Uh, well, I don't, you know, I don't know until we run against each other, you know, how it stacks up. But I, you know, I'm very happy with our horse. I wouldn't want to swap him. And has he moved forward nicely from Newmarket? Yeah, well, he's had a quiet time. I think, um, you know, I think he had a hard enough race at Newmarket. So he had a sort of couple of weeks very quiet, just started back doing faster work with with the aim to sort of getting him back to his best for, uh, for Ascot. And I, I sort of I said on the Sunday programme yesterday, so I wondered whether he was sort of damning him with faint praise a bit, calling him, you know, professional and genuine and honest and whatever. And no one's really gone into the superlatives and said well actually this is a really really good horse well look I, as long as he keeps winning they can call him what he wants i mean <laughs> uh, you know, describe him how they wish um you know i mean obviously apart from the greenham and his first start he's unbeaten and he's you know he's just done everything we've asked asked of him and i think those those two defeats were, were no fault of his own so um uh, obviously, um, you know, I wouldn't want to swap him with with any horse. And is he is he as straightforward to train as he appears on the racecourse? Yeah, he's he, all the things you just said. He's very professional and and straightforward, and just a you know, he's a star to have anything to do with. Excellent. So we look forward to seeing him in St James's Palace. A, a real reason I rang you was talk about the foxes in in the Derby. Um, the sort of obvious one hiding in plain sight slightly after the after the Dante. You must have watched that race a few times. What were your observations on it, and, and to what extent do you think he was he was the best in the race? Well, I think he travelled like the best horse. I think it was a very strong Dante. Uh, I thought he travelled. Was always comfortable watching the race. I thought he settled well. I thought he picked them up when he had to. He sort of hung slightly right-handed, um, which I think was more to look for company than anything else. But I, I. I was very happy with the performance and uh, again he's a horse I 
wouldn't I wouldn't want to swap with anything for the for the derby on Saturday. I, I was giving your jockey quite a bit of credit in the Dante because I thought he he sort of deliberately let him ease across just so he could get him something to race with. Yeah, I think that's right. I th- you know, I, I think that's absolutely right. I and mean, he's, he's a horse who's never he, he did hang it he hung, hung to the right at um, Newmarket in the Craven, but I think it's because he was you know needing a run and getting a little tired. But um, he's been you know he's showing no signs of that in either at home or his other starts. So um, I think he's pretty straightforward and uh, you know he's a lovely horse to, to go into the race with you might want to need to remind me but your derby record is actually extremely good including with some very long priced horses uh, yeah it's also extremely bad with some short priced horses so um, you know I think we've had three sort of horses go single figures who've not featured on the day so I, you know I, I take that with a pinch of salt but it, you know I think we've got a if you win the Dante I think you're entitled to to harbour dreams of, of going close at Epsom. So, um, you know, I think this horse looks to tick a lot of boxes. Are you confident he'll stay? No, no, I'm not, certainly not confident. I think it's a wide open derby, but I, I think he's as good a chance as any horse. Andrew Balling there, trainer of Chaldean, but also the Foxes, Jane Mangan, who nobody really seems to want to to get behind fully for, for some reason. It, it's there. It's there in black and white. It's almost too obvious, too simple. We like a little bit of dark magic, don't we? And this guy looks like he's so straightforward. He's got the form in the book. We just couldn't go with that boring analysis, could we? Yes, we absolutely could. People are trying to say he won't stay. He will stay, given his pedigree, given his uh, temperament. I think this horse will definitely stay. I think it's a fantastic chance. We know that passenger is intended to be supplemented for a fee of £95,000. That will be... um, a big chance for Sir Michael Stout and Richard Kingscote to have back-to-back Epsom Derby wins. Nobody's talking about continuous. Sure, what would Bally Doyle know about winning a Derby? And uh, you had news about White Birch on your show yesterday. Yeah, Colin Keane will step in for the ride on White Birch because Shane Foley, who has been riding him, will be claimed to ride Spreewell for Jessica Harrington, the horse that Kay Harrington was giving a big shout to last week. I mean... Are you inclined to to look beyond uh, and try and look beyond Bally Doyle to some of the other Irish or even even British runners, Jane? Or given what you've seen over the weekend, Aiden cranking everything up to to full to full pelt, if you like, and coming back with Little Big Bear, winning the Irish Guineas with Paddington? Do you just think, yeah, just stick a line through the Guineas and August Rodan just wins against a, a not particularly well established bunch? You know, it is reassuring, right? That's the way you have to look at it because it was so abysmal at Newmarket. And there was a number of Bally Doyle horses who travelled to the UK that blew out. Um, But just the form of the yard at the weekend was hard to deny. I know it was at home and on home ground. But given the time of the Derby, I do believe that the horses are going to travel over a couple of days in advance, unlike their usual flying in the morning. But what I would say to that is every other trainer that isn't Bally Doyle has to do that. And that shouldn't be a barrier to success. It's a tried and tested route. How does any other trainer manage to do it? Of course, they managed to do it quite well. I, I was impressed with Arrest at, uh, at Chester. And I do believe the horse that was second to him, Adelaide River, is an intended runner for Bally Doyle. So that will tell you what uh, they're they're thinking of him. Um, you mentioned Spreewell. We mentioned White Birch. Dubai Mile. Let's, let's just give a, a little bit of credence to... Um, 
Ahmed Al Sheikh of, of the Green Team. Dubai Mile represents a team that has had two seconds in the last two derbies at huge prices. Um, with Khalifa Sat and Hu Yamal wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility if this guy could run a huge race at a, at a bigger price but um, I think a rest might be the one for me August Rodan he has this big reputation he he has a lot of uh, top class two year old form but I'm, I cannot think of a horse that has blown out as badly in the new market guineas and come back to the derby I know Aidan O'Brien would be the first to do mo- almost anything but I'd love to see um I, I I do think a rest brings some solid level of form into the race. And if I'm giving Dubai Mile a chance, well, didn't the two of them go toe-to-toe at St. Louis in the back end of last year? And um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a decent race, an open race, an exciting race that doesn't, for me, have, at this stage, looks like uh, they don't they don't have a standout horse. Well, we've talked quite a bit about the derby. We've probably given scant attention to the Oaks at the moment. Uh, and it's about 33 to 1-ish that the Oaks is not won by Aidan O'Brien, John Gosden or or Charlie Appleby. But don't let that deter you because David Menuizier has never been frightened of taking on the big guns before and he's not again. And he's got a, a filly who's been fourth in a group one to, to go with, Heartache Tonight, who's sister to his, his great mayor, Wonderful Tonight. And he's on the line now. Uh, David, what's the plan? Hey, look, uh, we've just had a conference call with uh, both owners and uh, the manager, and we've decided to declare on Wednesday and give it a go. As long as the ground doesn't draw too much, as long as it's not good to firm fast ground by, by Friday afternoon, uh, we'll give it a go. And uh, we are hopeful that uh, Andrew Cooper might uh, water enough to, to keep the ground as it is uh, currently, good ground. Is she as ground contingent, do you think, as as her race record so far suggests, or is it simply that she's only been able to race on officially soft ground in France? Um, yeah, I mean she's only she's only run on soft ground, but it wasn't by choice, you know. So she came to hand quite late la- last year, so obviously she ran on heavy in October. Uh, the ground at Saint Cloud when she ran third in the Cleopat was. Uh, Nearly good ground. It was close to good ground. It wasn't. It wasn't slow ground. And uh, obviously, the last day at, at Longchamp, uh, it was look officially very soft, but it was more good to soft uh, than than anything else, I would say. But it was never never really by by uh, by choice. Um, she. I don't think. I don't think she's as ground dependent as uh, the sister was. She's a very good mover. She's very athletic. Um, it's just a case of uh, being quite tall and unfurnished. You know, I wouldn't. Ru- I wouldn't like to run on very fast ground at, uh, at at this time of the year. You know, I don't. I don't want her to to have a bad experience. So. I think the uh, the deal breaker is to try and, and, and run on as good as possible, really, as good a ground as possible. On, on what she's showing you at the moment, is she as talented as her sister? Has she got that basic ability? She, at the moment, uh, she's above the sister, I would say. At this time of the year, she is. The sister would have, would have, would not have been able to to be fourth in a group one um, over one mile two in uh, in May. Uh, it would have been impossible. She absolutely needed the, the mile four to make herself justice. So she definitely has more speed. And 
you know, she went through the ranks very quickly, you know. Uh, when she ran third in the Cleopat, it was only her second run, second time on the turf, because we, we, uh, we never really take them on turf in the morning here. So it was a, a fantastic performance against horses that had run more, more times and that had raced already this year. So, so it was a massive performance. And uh, she showed a lot of greenness. And then in the Santa Lari, she improved, you know, to finish fourth. She hit a flat spot and went again, and she was only beaten a length and a half um, in what looked like a, a, a very decent uh, Santa Lari. So, you know, I think she is, she is uh, better than the sister at the moment, but whether as a finished article she will be better or not, I don't know. I hope she will. I, you I, never know. You've been lucky enough to get Christian Demuro to ride her all three starts in, in, in France. Is he going to come over or are you going to look for a, a local jockey? But look, it was part of the discussion we've just had with the owners and... Uh, um, we've decided to to go again with Christian because uh, because he knows the filly. He rode her three times. Obviously, he's never ridden at Epsom. So uh, to all the trainers that are listening to the podcast right now, if uh, if you're looking for a rider in one of the races uh, early on the card. This guy is a top international jockey, and uh, if he could have a ride before the Oaks, that'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Great stuff, David. Thanks so much for talking to me. All the very best on Friday. Great that you're doing it. No problem. Thanks a lot, Nick. Cheers. Trainer David Manuzier there. Looking forward to heartache tonight. A half sister to his multiple Group One winner, wonderful tonight in the Oaks on Friday. The Betfred Oaks on Friday. Just rewinding Jane to to the Curra. We talked about the the three Group One races. What was the most notable performance of the weekend outside of that? Do you think uh, the most notable performance, aside from the classics, was the Jessica Harrington was there to oversee Eternal Silence run in the One Thousand Guineas. You had Kate Harrington on for the podcast last week, who uh, kindly told us that her mum had her procedure on on Tuesday, that she was home on Thursday. Well, when the sun came out, she came to the Curra on Sunday to oversee her classic runner. They had uh, the Marble Hill winner in uh, Give Me the Beat Boys on Saturday. That was uh, a huge win for Con Marnan, inexpensively purchased for €11,000. And that must have got the juices flowing for Jessica Harrington because she came uh, into the sunshine with uh, Team Moigler to see her run. And I can tell you what, the, the equine performances is one thing, but uh, that was really heartening to see that. Um, and obviously everybody's behind her and, and we hope that this weekend Epsom can give her something to shout about as well but that was something truly remarkable aside from the horses that we we um talk about at the races I did ask for the attendance figures because the sun was shining the curl looked absolutely beautiful and the atmosphere was a little bit subdued very relaxed there was a lot of ice creams floating around and the attendance figures are up marginally on last year um yesterday had an attendance figure of just over 5000 that's up 7% on last year saturday's figure is just under 6000 which is up 15% now brian Kavanagh is only back at hq uh, this is his second year in charge after being of course head man at hri and this is a trend heading in the right direction but um considering the sunshine and the racing was very good in particular yesterday 
you would hope to have had more people come through the turnstiles. But I'd imagine this is a building a foundation, re, rebuilding the, the blocks, shall we say, and hopefully this is a step in the right direction because I can tell you what, anybody who came racing yesterday, oh, t- to me, it looked like we had a great time. Jane, uh, important news is that today, which is, of course, as we've already reminded you, is not a bank holiday uh, or a public holiday in Ireland, sees the start of the appeal into the ban given to Ronan McNally, who we featured quite extensively on the podcast. Uh, what's the story here and, and how many days have they set aside for this? So they've set aside three days to discuss one of the biggest cases um, in recent memory. Remember the 12-year disqualification? It's the longest warning off period handed out to anyone in Irish racing. And, um, you know, it means he cannot access licensed premises. He cannot go racing and uh, all of the other sanctions that come with it. He was also given, um, was it 50 grand fine and uh, plus expenses, uh, had to return prize money and um, and so much more. There were so many layers to the, to the Rona McNally case. So three days uh, I think seems a little bit ambitious if they're going to get it all covered in that period of time. He is the only, there was a number of parties involved um, in, in his case or in this case, and he's the only one that is appealing or contesting the panel's actual findings. David Dunn, a couple of weeks ago, appealed against the severity of the sanctions that he incurred. That appeal was unsuccessful. So Rona McNally has been speaking today in the Racing Post. He's been very... um. Uh, shall we say vocal throughout this whole process he feels that this is completely unjust and uh, let's see how he gets on in his appeal process for three days set aside Nick I think that's ambitious all right well the list of horses coming to Royal Ascot from further afield continues to grow we gave you a little bit of a preview earlier in the year that Cannonball uh, a Southern Hemisphere three-year-old trained by the Snowdens and running in the silks of James Harron Bloodstock Colts partnership was pointing towards the meet. That's got a step closer now after a, a gallop out this morning. James Harron, um, the co-owner, is with me now and the man who put all this together. Uh, James, you've you, you've got Royal Ascot on the agenda. Um, how did he go this morning? Yeah, hi, Nick. Yeah, look, it's um, it's been something we've sort of got very serious about over the last sort of month and um he's had a jump out in sydney and then today was was quite a big step forward it was a jump out down the flemington straight over over 900 meters and uh against all the other horses that were going to ascot and look he was he was really impressive the track was actually rated on the soft side and even getting slightly heavy in places so um he he kept on stayed on the bridle but just cruised down very nicely and um certainly pleased as his jockey and Brett Preble and, and also his trainer who was on hand and Peter Snowden. Uh, and what what really were you were you looking for there? I think you know realistically this horse is um you know he's he's come back a real bigger stronger version of himself. Um he's just really seems to have adapted well uh you know into that latter part of his three-year-old career and um you know, we just wanted to see him around these good horses and, and be tractable. And, 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 you know, he's been down the straight before, but just see him handle that straight nicely. Um, he seemed to do it all just so professionally. He's in really good form. He's in a good frame of mind. And, yeah, look, I don't think he could have, could have done much more. And relative to quite a few horses who will come to Royal Ascot, he's relatively inexperienced. And and yet he is is improving quite, quite fast. 
you you're in quite a good position to know how he stacks up against the best in Australia. Where where do you think he sits now? Yeah, look, it is it's a it's a good question. It's it's not a very easy question to answer. He, you know, you you would have known we were sort of plagued by some seriously wet weather here um, early, right through his back end two year old, early three year old career, and he's he's a proper good ground horse, um, completely different horse than good ground so it just really hurt his progression and where we could run him he ran three times on soft and all unplaced um you put him on a good track and he runs fantastic times so we did get back on the good tracks as he came back um this preparation his former preparation he ran third in a, in a very good race called the dane hill which is a you know, pretty good lead-up race to the Coolmore. He was a bit of an unlucky third behind Giga Kick, who's come out and won an Everest. Buenas Noches, who, who ran third in the Coolmore. He unfortunately got a bit of a temperature and had to be spelled. Didn't get to run the Coolmore. Um, so I think we would have seen a real big show in that in that Coolmore race. Um, um, he came back this preparation in Sydney, uh, beat the older horses first time out. And then backed up a week later, run third in a group one where he was maybe a bit stiff not to have run second. So he, he's really lifted um, in terms of his form. And physically, as I mentioned, he's developed very well also. So, look, I think he'll, you know, he had his test at group one level here and and, and really was very strong. And I think um, I think he's right up to that standard uh, as we go forward. Uh, you've got him in the King Stand and the Jubilee at the moment. Uh, would you be intending to run him in either or both? The, the look the the king's stand you know the, the whole point of us sort of heading uh, over to Royal Ascot was you know feeling like that sort of five furlongs was just right up his right up his alley um, and obviously hopefully getting nice summer weather and good ground over there he's in he's in both the the, the absolute plan is the king's stand um, he's a tough robust colt so if the option was there and it was the right thing to do we do have that option to back up but. Um, the number one plan will be the King Stand, and provided all of that unfolds and in, in the right manner. And Brett Preble, you're quite insistent that he should come over and, and take the ride. Well, Brett's had a great association with the horse, and um, he's he's done a, a huge amount of work with him. He was, you know, uh, up in, in Melbourne today as well, just to give him that jump out. And he's he's a huge fan of the horse, and um, you know, Brett does a lot of riding for us. And, yeah, we're really, really pleased that Brett's going to come and ride him, and, and uh, he knows him well, and um, I think it'll give us some, give us our best chance of success. And how many uh, of the ownership are going to come? We've got a good crew, Nick, as you can imagine. It's uh, it's it's sort of grown uh, over the period of uh, all our friends and ownership group and and friends of theirs, and uh, we've got a really good crew of sort of twenty five people uh, will be part of the posse heading over. So. Um, very exciting for everyone. It's uh, they're really good racing people. They love, you know, having a go, and they're not afraid for an adventure. So um, everyone's been quite quite buoyed by this morning, and uh, it keeps the dream alive as we as we make our way over. James, thanks so much for your time. Uh, best of luck. Thanks a lot, Nick. Well, there've been some truly vintage races in in Hong Kong this season, and there, there was another one over the weekend. Uh, for the standard Chartered Champions and Chater Cup when Romantic Warrior suffered a, a shock defeat. Fives on Romantic Warrior, ran really well, did a lot of the hard work, but then our old friend Russian Emperor, remember him from his exploits in the Middle East this winter and elsewhere, came flying down the outside to win under a super ride from uh, Hugh Bowman for trainer Doug White, who joins me now. 
he he really is as tough a horse as they come. Doug, how proud were you of him uh, over the weekend? William Wood in Qatar was probably the highlight of, of my career. Um, but to come back from there with the issues that he has and to beat an odds-on favourite the way he did on, on, on ground that is not the best ground for him, uh, it was phenomenal. He's, he's, done the, he's repeated that effort two years in a row now and he's just a soldier. He really is a soldier. And we've talked about his ability to to take travel and seem to sort of thrive on that busy schedule. You you went to Doha, then you went to to Maidan. I caught up with you in that race. He ran behind Equinox when he kind of ran okay, but in a in a race where you had a freaky winner. And then you've you've come back and and had to and had to prep him up for for races like this. It, it, he just seems to, to to have loved being away and coming back. I think that was the making of keeping him mentally and physically intact for this particular race, is getting away, getting him out of here, um, freshening his mind up, but more so it, 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 it enabled him to cut his body weight without him knowing it. So it was a blessing in disguise. And I just looked at his, his runs from last year, and he didn't step up to this distance of a mile and a half to the end of the campaign, and he rounded off with victory yeah, in in this race over, over Ka Ying Star, and uh, there is something it seems about having had plenty of racing and the mile and a half that seems to bring about the best in him he seems to come good around this time of the year and 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 particularly um around you know the beginning of the year when it's when it, when the temperature changes so but um he's done a great job and and he's he's off to the paddock now and that's it so i mean you and i have talked about you know maybe bringing him here or or wherever when he's when he's in such good form but you, you feel he's earned himself a break now I think I think he he's, he's earned himself a well-deserved break. Look, um, there's a few races and on the agenda. He might, when I say a break, he might not have a two or three month break. He might have a, just a, a spell and freshen up. And um, but there's a few races on the agenda. It's, it's more about how he comes out of this race than anything and where we go from there. What are you What are you eyeing up? What's What's on What's on the bucket list? Well, you know, obviously pretty keen there's a few races in australia um that he qualifies for and i think he'll get his his ground there as well um there's japan but uh i really i'm I'm actually as we speak i'm gonna have dinner with the owners tonight and we'll discuss plans going forward i've got a few races pinned down and and we'll it's more about him how he comes out of this race and and um what's going to suit him best with with getting to where we have to go and um which is most convenient I mean, uh, given given his profile and, and and given what he's done, I mean, would you would you have a crack at something like the Cox Plate? That that would certainly be on on the radar. Um, I, I think a, a race like a Melbourne Cup would 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 possibly be a race for him as well. We, you know, he, he could go to sleep and and just keep building into into the race as they started. To pick the tempo up, um, he showed that yesterday. These are races that obviously are on the radar. Doug, this is going to be a, this is going to be an interesting dinner. But thank you for giving me a little preview of it. My pleasure. Thanks very much for calling. All right. Thanks to all my guests today. Jane Mangan is still with me and has a tip for you. I am going to the feature race today, Nick. The Predispahan has attracted seven declarations and a very interesting one at that. You have Irvan going for his sole Group 1, Onesto, uh, starting back his campaign after a fruitful three-year-old year. Light Inventory, 
I'm not who you seem to like for um, Team Shadwell, Junko and Factor Cheval. But the one I like with the benefit of a run under his belt is Buckaroo, the horse that took the scalp of homeless songs at Leopardstown back in April. Just where Brian sent out above the curve to win a group two there yesterday. He may well just go one grade higher with Buckaroo and Oshin Murphy this afternoon. Joseph O'Brien's raids to France have often been fruitful. That's our Group 1 feature today. The pre dispel will reflect on that and so much more and continue our look forward to Epsom when you rejoin us on the podcast tomorrow, Tuesday. But for the moment, that was Monday, the 29th of May. And if it is a public holiday where you are, I hope you're enjoying it. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.